welcome in to another special edition of Sportball. I'm your boy Sam. With me right now is the one and only Kyle Olson. A.K.A. Stogie. <laughs> is that the first time I said your full name on the podcast? Do I people think so. even know? <laughs> my my identity has been uh has been compromised at this point. <laughs> so we're doing this one sans Seth. So I am I and I alone am responsible for holding Kyle accountable for his hot takes. And it's a it's a big job that I have to take on. Do what I can, you know. I got my throw some shit at the wall and you throw shit at the wall and see which one sticks. <laughs> so uh, this podcast is supposed to be really a playoff second round check in, but with the news that broke today, we got to go over a lot of things. So it is for reference Wednesday, the sixteenth of June, eight p.m. Eastern time. Eastern time. 8 p.m. Central time. And there was a lot of news that broke in the NBA today, mostly bad. Some people are calling it the red wedding of the NBA, <laughs> which I think is fair. What an incredible analogy. Yeah. Um, we're going to go all over all of it. But to summarize, today we learned that Chris Paul tested positive for COVID despite being vaccinated and will be out indefinitely. So we'll see if he misses some or all of the Western Conference Finals. Uh, he is still waiting for his opponent in the Western Conference Finals because the Clippers and Jazz are playing. And we learned today as well that in that series, Kawhi Leonard will not be returning for game five and probably the rest of the series with an ACL injury. They haven't said tear yet, so perhaps he avoided that. But we're not really sure what's going on. Seems pretty serious. So that's really, really sad. Also, maybe on a little lesser importance uh Stan Van Gundy was fired from the Pelicans as was Donnie Nelson the GM of the Mavs as was Scott Brooks of the Wizards and not to mention that Mike Conley and Kyrie Irving are still injured and will miss the next game so that's a lot to unpack but I think we'll get into all that as we go on right Kyle I wanted to start with something a little lighter for the audience I mean I think we're done we kind of recapped it you want to just call the podcast you want to hang up yeah we'll call it for today (laughs) uh I wanted to start with Kevin Durant and his performance in the Bucks nets game last night because that's really fresh on everyone's mind, and that's a nice, positive way to start. Um, so the Nets took a 3-2 lead behind KD's 49-17-10. and 10. Is that good? That seems good. Um, they were down 20 at one point, I think, in that game, and KD brought them back. Um, even with a hobbled Harden, Harden I'm gave it a go. And a half. Yeah. And Harden gave it a go despite um, – obviously not being able to move <laughs> at all really and use his lateral jogging. his lateral movements in that game were like non-existent yeah. he couldn't move like yeah. he couldn't like pivot left and right i gotta tell you though i kind of enjoyed that harding game it was like it was like when jason k was really old and would just stand at the top of the arc and make the right pass every time you know yeah he still affected the game so positively as we yeah. know harden does right he's the engine that makes the offense run as i like to say Right. He only t- <laughs> he only took 10 shots, missed all but one of them. But the one he hit was an and one that seemed important, like for the time, you know, I feel like he, he just had really, a good grasp of what he had to do to just keep them afloat, you know, and really down late in the game uh, in the final stretches. He made some really good plays defensively, too. There was uh, one specific strip that I remember him making with like yeah. a minute and a half left. And then there was that uh, play where Giannis had the ball. Uh, I'm like, um, 
kind of near the baseline. And I think it was Jeff Green. Someone was starting to rotate over and Harden called him off and said, we don't need to double here because he knew that right. As soon as Jeff Green leaves, Harden was going to be able to make a pass to an open man going down the lane. And yeah, Giannis missed a fadeaway two pointer like he typically does. So, yeah, I remember the player talking about the strip. I feel like no one's talking about it, but Giannis was right. ISOed on Harden and Harden poked the ball away and the Giannis just gave up. I mean, yeah. props to Harden, but also shame on the Bucks because if you're Giannis in that situation, like you got to <laughs> Harden, like he'll be fine in a post up. Like he's still strong, but he can't move laterally right now, like you're saying. No. So yeah. try to, you know, put some moves, drive past him, go to the rack, but instead he's taking these fadeaways. It's yeah. like you're bailing Harden out there, you know? And Harden knows, of course, that he could just follow him and send him to the line where Giannis has struggled. So it was – we'll talk a little bit more about how much of an indictment of the Bucs this game was. But, <laughs> but first, I think we should Frogs. celebrate the game that KD had. Um, like we said, a hobbled Harden, no Kyrie. This is one of the best playoff games I've ever seen anyone play. He scored 20 points in the fourth quarter, just hitting contested shot after contested shot. I mean, you know, of course, we all know he's – the best player in the league or in the top three with LeBron and Kawhi always, you know, but he just really showed us today that he is that guy and he can play an entire 48 minutes even after that <laughs> two, Achilles chair. Two years removed from a brutal Achilles injury to come out and play 48 minutes, put up uh, that triple double. There's never been a 40, 15 and 10 triple double in the playoffs in NBA history. And for him to do that rally an entire team back from being down 16 at half in a tied series is like, it was, it it was majestic, honestly. It was. And it's like, he's just like in the post game, he was like, he's like, I told Nash, the coach, I told him, you know, you can take me out for a minute here and there if you want, but I'm good, you know. <laughs> and then Nash is like, all right. And then you just didn't say it at all. It's insane. And uh, Cassie was watching the end of the game with me. She just saw Durant and she, like next to just a normal person. She's like, is he even human? I'm like, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> like, he's just unstoppable. I don't know. You're going to have to remind me here. Tell me if it if I was just so blinded by the super teams of Golden State when Durant was there, but I feel like he didn't have the same emotions that he has when he plays now. Am I just misremembering because I wanted to hate the Warriors so much that I didn't pay enough attention? Or is he actually just more emotional? Because I, you know, when he hit that end of shot clock three at the end of the game two where Harden kind of was just trapped and didn't do anything for the entire shot clock and Durant hit that insane three and like he's yelling he's flexing he never used to do that did he I don't know I feel like yeah he was really emotional in this game and I think it's kind of because like when he was on the Warriors he's talked about this before like he thought that winning a championship would give him joy and it didn't in the same way he thought it would, right? Because he felt people didn't – and people didn't really give him the respect that he thought they would because he joined that super team, right? And now, coming off that Achilles injury, I feel like he's probably more emotional because he's like, I came back from this year-long injury. I'm on a team that I want to be on, and I'm showing people that I'm fully back. You know, I think that's maybe where the emotion came from. Um, and, yeah, he was just cold-blooded, man. 
the way he's been kind of this playoffs, you know, being so not, I don't know if emotional is the right word, but uh, I guess it is like after certain, certain plays and stuff being vocal, you know, just like kind of like, fuck you. I'm the best attitude. Yeah. I don't know why, but I've just been like so much more, I mean, always, he was always great to watch, but I just enjoy watching him so much more when he's doing these things and then screaming at the other team afterwards, like, you can't even guard me. Yeah, he's definitely, I mean, he's always been kind of a trash talker, but he's definitely, like, stepped it up this season, I think, probably because he feels like people forgot about him, right, because he was injured and they just kind of forgot that he was the best player in the world before he went out. Um, And, yeah, I think LeBron, I think, KD and Kawhi are reminding us now that LeBron is in his post prime that they're really the best players in the league um, in their respective conferences. They're reminding us of that this playoffs. Um, Still don't enjoy must, watching Kawhi, though. We must talk about – yeah, me either. I really don't enjoy watching Kawhi. I don't He's know such why. such a boring player. Yeah. We have to discuss, though, how – we've already been over this talking in person today, but Kyle – as our listeners may know on the podcast, the last podcast declared that James Harden was the best player in the Nets. And then after this game this morning, texted our discord and said, KD's the third best player in the history of the league. Right. I mean, it's MJ LeBron and him in some order. Right. And then of course we all said, what? <laughs> so here's the thing. I need to preface this for our three listeners. Okay. Also of which that are in the discord. <laughs> I saw a long Twitter thread argument of this earlier today, which is what prompted me to send that message. And I got two, the responses flooded in way too fast for me to not necessarily backtrack and say, this isn't coming directly from me. This is just a thought I had after reading these back and forths, but that's what happened. I didn't so, just wake up this morning. I'm like, Kevin Durant, third best player in the NBA of all time. Yes, let's get it going. <laughs> that is what it seemed like. You That's did. what it seemed like. I know. And I but should've... you did reveal to us afterwards that you had spilled coffee in your white polo. So I think it's acceptable. Yeah. That um, happened to you. I think that most people already consider him a top 15 all time player. And then projecting the rest of his accomplishments, the rest of his career, we're all expecting a top 10, I think. Okay. What gets hard is that top five area. I actually looked this up. Let me read it to you. This is my top 15 from last year that I wrote down. I found it on my phone. Are you ready? I want to see who you think you could jump over here. So I had Jordan at one, LeBron, Bill Russell, Kareem at four, Magic at five. Going to be very tough to usurp those top five, I would say. Then I have Larry at six, Will Chamberlain at seven, Tim Duncan eight, Shaq nine, Kobe 10, Oscar Robertson, 11, Jerry West, 12, Hakeem, 13, KD, 14. Steph and I had Moses, 15, and Steph, 16. So, like I said, I, I have a hard time thinking he's going to leapfrog Jordan, LeBron, Russell, Kareem, Magic, not saying it's impossible. Um, right now he has two rings and one MVP, which is quite a bit less of both of those than most of those players. Two rings um, and two finals MVPs, though. Yeah. I think that, you know, he's probably nearing that Kobe at 10 range, right? Like maybe you could say he's 
above Akeem, Jerry, and Oscar. Yeah. <clears throat> I think he wins the championship this year. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We talked about it earlier, too. It's very hard to place a current player in the rankings of former players where we know everything that's happened because now we kind of have to just project what also we think can or will happen and who the hell is to say say kd and the nets this nets team stays together for the next three years and they go on a three-peat what happens does that jump him to your top five if he has five rings including a three-peat it definitely could yeah right so i don't know it's so hard to project these things when we don't know what's going to happen right um, especially you saw this year, like they looked at like their own waltz to the title and then Kyrie and Harden both injured. get injured, you know? So yeah. you just never know. And I'm looking at players above them in this list and it's like, you know, Hakeem won two championships with teams that were generally pretty bad around him. Um, Jerry made eight finals, <laughs> you know, that's a lot. Uh, Oscar averaged a triple double, won two championships was Oscar. So I think there's definitely an argument to be made to anyone from like 10 to 15 right now, you know, and the rest of his career, if he has that longevity, you know, and he has that prolonged success, I think he's going to keep leapfrogging guys. I do. Yeah. It, it all, it all stemmed from a long debate that I read on the Twitter verse. And not once did I mention that to you guys, <laughs> I was in my own head and I just put it in there. Yeah. And man, you guys blew up on me. <laughs> Someone's got to hold That's you accountable, expected. you know? That's expected. <laughs> um, really have to rile people up on a Wednesday morning, though. It really gets me going. <laughs> yeah. So, KD, he reminded us of who he was. Who he is. Can we talk about the Bucks? Because I have never been more just disenchanted with the team in my life, I think. The way they play on offense down the stretch. They isolate against the wrong guys. Like, they'll take KD isolation. Why? Yeah, they never once doubled him, like, in the second half of the game, I don't think. They don't go to the rim. Drew Holiday is missing. He's airballing jump shots. Someone hit the side of the backboard. It's absolutely atrocious to watch. And you got a guy out there in Harden, like I said, who literally can't move laterally, and you're not attacking him, right? You're going iso against KD, their best defender. It's just... It's it's on all the players. It's on Bud especially. Uh, it just it's hard to watch. Drew Drew might have like not as many, but seventy five percent as many layups as Giannis has this series. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, and that's just like <laughs> yeah, Harden or Giannis shouldn't be taking threes. Shouldn't be taking fadeaway jump shots. Shouldn't be taking any jump shots. I don't know it's why he hasn't atrocious. figured this out yet. That you dunk the ball, you lay up the ball. That's your only job. You let Chris Middleton take jump shots. You let fucking Bryn Forbes take jump shots. You don't. It's jump absolutely. Shot. It's absolutely. I don't think I've ever been so disgusted with a team that still might win the series. Like that's not even getting swept or anything. Like there's is, there's still going to be a game six and maybe a game seven, and I can't even watch them. And, like, this is exactly what we were hoping kind of would happen, too, in terms of minutes. Like, Giannis and Middleton are playing more than 40 minutes a game this series, I think, for the most part. They did last night. 
and it still doesn't matter because doesn't matter. They don't know. I don't. They're cursed in the playoffs. I just I like mean, we know the playoffs are a different beast than than uh, the same animal. The regular, yeah, <laughs> than the regular season. Like the regular yeah. season essentially means nothing. But the Bud has not figured it out in in the postseason. Still, he didn't have it his whole career. Uh, I mean, that was my one worry with the series was he would finally figure it out. He hasn't figured it out. And like I know, coaches are smarter than I am and know more about basketball. And Bud is certainly a smarter man than I. That being said, it seems clear to me, and maybe this is a lot of this is on Giannis himself and not just Bud. I think everyone could share some blame for this. It seems to me that Giannis is Shaq, basically, and should be treated as such. And Middleton and Drew combined for your Kobe, right? So you don't want Giannis has the same issues from the free throw line that Shaq does, right? So you don't want him going to the line at the end of the game. You don't want to run the offense through him. You dump off to him for dunks. You know, he'll still get a post up here and there, but you run your offense through Drew and Middleton down the stretch. And I don't understand why everyone else seems to realize that except the Bucks themselves. It's a superstar treatment. I think they even mentioned it uh, on the broadcast in the last game. They're like, it's Bud has to walk a fine line between letting his superstar do what he wants, but also reeling him back and not letting him touch the ball in critical moments. And it's like, how do you balance that without having Giannis get mad and lose and again? And, you know, essentially then he gets to blame the team, right? Cause it didn't necessarily fall on him. And it's just a bunch of dominoes, but you got to think that Giannis knows too. You would have to think that. <laughs> And, like, I feel like he said, like, he just does whatever feels, like, right, like, in the moment that he should do or something. When he was explaining shooting threes, it's like, dude, you shoot one for eight, like, or one for five every game. Does that feel right to you? And, you know, is it too much to ask you if you're a first-team all-defensive player to guard Durant in the fourth quarter when he's scoring 49 points on you? I mean, P.J. Tucker didn't do a terrible job. But I feel Tucker like defended him well, but Durant couldn't miss. He shot what yeah. 16 of 20, 17 of 24 or something. Yeah, I mean, you're not right. He probably would have still hit shots, but can we at least see it? I don't know, you know. That's a fair point. It's a fair point. Like Giannis is at least bigger and taller than PJ, and you would think it'd bother him with size more, but we didn't even get to see it. I don't know. I mean, the Bucks are just fucked. They're gonna lose you, on their home court. Is that everything's gonna happen nuts in six? Yeah. I did. That's what I picked before the series started. So I don't know why I would deviate now, but I wouldn't be surprised if, listen, if the bugs have any sense, okay, they're going to go back home. They're going to look at the tape and say, Oh wait, James Harden can't move. Perhaps we should exploit that this game. And I think then things would be a lot different. You know, they could pick up Harden full court, when he's, when he's handling the ball as well, you know, on offense, they could trap him. They could try to get the ball out of his hands or at least press up on him because they know that he can't move too well. I feel like there's a few adjustments they could easily make, but I just don't know if I have the faith in them to make it, you know? I mean, yeah, I, I would imagine that Harden is probably getting up some stationary shots in between last game and this next game. I don't expect him to go one for 10 again. Like, that's... At least hit some step back threes or something. Right, you know? exactly. Yeah. I mean, and then the only two games 
the Bucks have won so far. They won by three points after being up by 24 points four minutes into the second quarter. And then they did win by 11 for their second win, but no one besides Durant on the team. Oh, Kyrie Irving left early. He had 11 points. Besides those two, no one else scored in double figures. Yeah. So it's like they're not even blowing them out when the Nets are shooting poorly. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised either way. I, I, you know, I could see a game seven happening, but after that game, I expect the Nets to win the series regardless if it's six or seven. I just, I mean, maybe the Bucs will prove me wrong, but I just have no faith in them anymore. I don't think anyone does. They shouldn't. They haven't shown <laughs> it to us before. There's no reason to think it's going to change now. I can only, exactly. I can only talk about what I see with my eyes. So, I mean, it's been how many years in the playoffs of this happening with, with the Bucks, and it's the same story this year. Even though we thought because of the regular season they were going to Middleton down the stretch, they're not doing it when it matters most. They fooled us. They did. They pulled the curtain right over our eyes. The wool over our eyes? And the Was curtain. it a wool curtain? Yeah, <laughs> 100% wool. Uh, let's move on to the, the Clippers jazz, and oh boy. Well, it looks like the Clippers had figured some things out and we're going to take a hold of the series. They had tied it up 2-2, um, and with Mike Conley out and Donnie Mitchell hobbled, which seemed like they were taking control. But we learned today that Kawhi is definitely out tonight, maybe out for the series, and who knows? We're not sure. They say they fear it's an ACL injury. They haven't said tear, sprain, what, but it doesn't sound good, right? Yeah. And I just want to go – let me go through the injuries that we've had just in these playoffs. Okay, you ready? This is not even counting the fact that Jamal Murray was missing and Jalen Brown were missing before we started the playoffs, right? We also have Anthony Davis' groin injury leads to the Lakers' first-round loss. Donovan Mitchell hobbled, as I mentioned. His teammate, Conley, has missed the first four games of this series. Kawhi Leonard, as I said, may have torn his ACL. James Harden, hamstring injury, as we spoke of, missed the entire series up until last game. CP3 now, we learned today, Chris Paul is in health and safety protocols because he has tested positive for COVID. And one of Embiid, 164 players in the NBA in the past week, by the way. Only one. Yeah, even though he's vaccinated too, the poor guy. And Embiid, which we haven't even mentioned yet on this pod, had a meniscus injury and isn't 100%. It's just like, it's really, <laughs> it's tough, man. It's making it hard to watch these playoffs because more than I think in years past, Injuries are really going to decide the title this year, and that's a shame. And I think you can only help but think it's because they rushed the players back after the bubble, right? There was such a shortened offseason, and it's such a condensed schedule. You would think that has to contribute to this, right? I mean, it definitely has to contribute, and they released the schedule for next year too, and the the time between the finals and the start of the season is essentially the same as last year. Right. right. When do we see the NBA make an adjustment and reduce the number of regular season games? Regular season games don't matter. We don't need what 82 typically. What was it this year? 72 or something. Give us a 50 game regular, 50 game regular season. The thing is the more the less games you have too, the more they matter. So yeah, exactly. 50 game regular season, maybe even add uh, a spot. Well, I mean, maybe make the play in, even larger, add an extra team from each 
or a midseason tournament, you know, oh, something yeah, which is what they're talking the about, but they're not talking about reducing the number of games. So it's like <laughs> let's let's make the players more injury prone by making them play even more next season. It's really a bad look for them because you know it's all because of money. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason they won't 100 you know, Yeah, they, it's the reason they won't reduce the number of the games. And it makes no sense. But let's talk about the Kawhi injury. So I mean, if he has torn his ACL, I don't want to speculate, but that would mean he's out for all next year. And what then? Do they they make the playoffs with Paul George as their best player? I don't know in the West. But I don't really want to speculate not knowing, but that's definitely out there. And, I mean, there's no way they're – like, I, I struggle to think they might even win the series, and there's no way they're going to win the finals now without Kawhi Leonard, right? No. Yeah, I, I don't see that happening kind of – Kawhi has been the catalyst the last two games. Paul George has been playing really well, too. I think, what, uh, 30-something points, their first win, 24-28, their last game. But I don't know if just Paul George is enough. Reggie Jackson been playing really well, but, I mean, I, I just don't know how you keep up with, with Utah. Yeah, I mean, two games without Kawhi. Here's the guy you're missing in Kawhi Leonard. He has the highest PER of the playoffs right now at 30.4. He literally missed a shot in the fourth quarter of a win. He literally hasn't missed a shot in the fourth quarter of their wins. So, yeah, I think you're you're really losing someone there. And I just don't think – I just don't think Paul George is a one anymore. It just doesn't seem like he is. Like, it seems like he might be on those Pacers teams. I just don't think he's a great first option. I don't think he's, you know, an elite first option anymore. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. That would be interesting, but I don't see it. I mean, this is kind of the same scenario as the Lakers in the first round, losing, losing AD. It's honestly even worse to lose your number one player, not even your one B, right? This is their one A. He's down for the count. Just a playoff killer for his career, right? So it's like... You can't lose a player like that in the second round of the playoffs and expect to come away with a series win when it's a tied series and especially make it to the Western Conference Finals or, or beyond. Yeah, before this series, I picked Clippers in seven, and I just don't see that happening now. I mean, even if Conley doesn't five. play, what is that? I picked Utah in five. Wow. And even if Conley doesn't play and Donovan is still hobbled, like – the Clippers team is pretty bad besides Kawhi and Paul George. So when it's just Paul George and below average role players, I don't think that gets it done. Hey, but you know what? We might see the ascension of Terrence Mann. Oh, Give baby. him more minutes, baby. We need it. Okay, I don't understand how Ty Lue hasn't figured out that Terrence Mann is just what Patrick Beverly used to be. He Maybe has figured it out better. the last two games, the games that they've won. He's been he's played over 20 minutes in each of those. Like Patrick Beverly isn't good anymore. No, no. Pat Beverly and Terrence sucks. Mann is just you just rotate in Terrence Mann. He's your Patrick Beverly. It's that simple. <laughs> 100%. And he can make shots. <laughs> yeah, he's better on offense than Patrick ever was. So I think, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the Jazz will pull this out now. It's just so it just really bums me out, dude. I was so excited for these playoffs. And we just keep losing these guys, including. The next one we'll talk about, Chris Paul, who tested positive for COVID. Now, he is vaccinated, so we're going to 
hope and assume that he's not going to have a serious case and maybe he can get back some point during the Western Conference Finals, which start next week. We'll see. But, you know, there's no guarantee of that. And this poor guy who's never made the finals, this was his best shot this year, especially with the injury to Kawhi. And now we get this news. I mean, the man's cursed. He's 100% cursed. But it's campaign's time to shine. He's finally going to find that acorn. <laughs> that was such a deep cut, but I got it. Don't worry. He was saying because he looks like Sid, the slob from Ice Age, obviously. Wait, isn't the squirrel the one that finds the acorn, though? <laughs> you might be right. Although I think sometimes I'm, Sid, like, plays around with them or whatever. I'm not even going to lie. I've never watched one of those movies fully. Really? Never. And the second one, Ray Romano and Queen Latifah get together as two woolly mammoths. So. Oh, I, that's the one I've seen. <laughs> okay, not, not all the way through, though, but yeah. for the longest time, I always thought that you know how all Disney movies have like a, a short film before a movie starts. Yeah. I always thought they were just short films before the movie started. <laughs> every movie I saw, cause it was always just that damn squirrel. Yeah. I was like, this is a great short. Keep them coming. They yeah. kept coming for years. <laughs> and so I actually realized it's a full movie. There's yeah. a lot. There's a series of them. Yeah. Never there's like four, isn't there? Yeah. Something like that. I watched the first three. I was one of the, I was really in an ice age. What do you but like anyway. Those or, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Obviously, Pirates. <laughs> How dare you? Pirates of the Caribbean, the number one, the first one is in my top 10 movies of all time. I've only seen one of them, and it was the most recent one. It was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. That's disgusting. I can't believe you. Did we see that together? Yeah. <laughs> RIP uh, Movie Wednesdays. Oh, I can't wait to get back to the movie theater, baby. But we didn't even, okay, we didn't even talk about, since we last podcasted, that the Suns swept the Nuggets. Are you still recovering from that? They honestly had the perfect game plan. Well, the thing was, Aiden is just like a better Nurkic for covering Jokic one-on-one, right? Yeah, but they just played Jokic so physically and essentially went at Michael Porter Jr. Um, And the guard play of Denver really fell off in the second round. Monte and... Composo were not hitting shots that they were hitting in the first round. All of that's just a recipe for disaster for a team. So, you know, uh, high hopes though for Denver going forward. I'm going to expect that we see them make a nice splash in free agency because after seeing, you know, what they, they did this year, what they were able to do with their second best player down, what team or what player wouldn't be interested in coming to a market like that? I would be, I'll tell you that much. And the problem in this series for them was just, as you said, no Jamal and Michael Porter's back seemed to be a problem too, which if your second best player is hobbled, your second best player is out, you don't have a chance. And um, I mean, Jokic still played great. Jokic played incredible. Yeah, Yeah. there's no doubting him, but it was just, uh, you know, Suns hit him with too many blows. What are you going to do? Suns are great. I don't know. Chris Paul, speaking of, averaged 26 points on you. Wait for it. 62, 58, 100 split. (laughs) Insane. He was playing maybe the best he's ever played at 36, and now he might be out for the Western Conference Finals. I mean, can we get any one good thing in in this world? Chris Paul was playing as good as he played when he was on 
Houston against the Warriors when they should have beat them. Yeah, when he got injured. And got injured. Now he's got COVID. And somehow this all comes back to Rudy Gobert too. So why? Because he had COVID at the beginning. He shut the league down. Good thing he did. Honestly, would have been it's way worse. Rudy's fault. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Hawks Sixers. Jeez. Another injury. So we should. I say this to last because there's a game going on right now. How's it look? Aren't the Sixers yeah, blowing out the Hawks? Blowout, yeah. But you know, blots are never. They're never sacred in the NBA these days. So, I mean, just a bad performance from the Hawks tonight, shooting 30% from the field, 30% from three, less than 70 from the free throw line. You're never going to win a game shooting that. What's their score right now? 54 to 75. All right. So let's assume that the Sixers win this game and go up 3-2. Um, I did feel – so it was tied 2-2 coming into the day because of just a wild game where the Sixers went up big and the Hawks came back with Joel Embiid going 0 for 12 in the second half, which is the worst half from anyone ever since, like, Michael Jordan back in the day. So good company, at least. Um, (laughs) His meniscus seemed to be bothering him. Embiid's knees, you might say, were bothering him. And I think that might just be how it's going to be the rest of the playoffs, right? He might have some good games where it doesn't bother as much. He might have some where he gets that soreness. He just has to play through it. So I do still think they'll dispatch the Hawks probably in six or seven. I would say six. but you worry about that knee holding up against a greater opponent in the in the Bucks and the Nets, right? Oh, 100 um, percent. There, it's going to be an interesting matchup if they do move on, if they do play the Nets. Because what the Nets are going to put Blake Griffin out there? Do they start Nicholas Claxton? What do they do? Right, I'm not sure who exactly stops Embiid on that team. Yeah. But if he's not 100%, really, do you need a f- full-on stopper? I don't know. It's That's going to be a very interesting series if that's what we get. And it's kind of what we – before all the injuries and everything, that's what we knew we were hurtling towards, right, was Sixers-Nets. Um, yeah, and the thing is, too, the Nets are dealing with so many injuries. Like, if KD or if Kyrie and Harden are both healthy for that series, Sixers don't have the firepower to put up with that. Yeah, their offense is just not the offense of some someone who makes the finals. Like, no, they have. I give them more of a pass than the Bucks because they don't have the kind of creators the Bucks should have. But you know, they don't have like a point guard. <laughs> you no, know, they rely way too is, much on. It's way too much of the Joel Embiid show. Yeah, and Seth Curry is like way too important for them. I mean, Seth Curry is good, but they need more of a traditional playmaker. I think. Yeah, it's. Uh... It's not looking good for them, in my opinion, just because I'm also a Brooklyn truther these days. I mean, the thing is, like, even if the Sixers or the Bucks win the series, I feel bad about both of them, <laughs> if that's possible. So, that's yeah, fair. and I, I have loved on the other side of things. We just talked about this earlier today, but the way Trey Young has looked in this playoffs has really changed the way I think about him. Um, he's become... And, you know, maybe this is to be expected to uh, the journey of a young player, but he's really started to learn how to control the pace of the game, how to get his teammates involved and when. Um, how, and he's becoming more of a, uh, you know, a pure point guard Steve Nash type as opposed to a, a pure isolation scorer that he was more of early in his career. And yeah. the fact is he's gotten better teammates, right? So that makes sense. 
And so I really love the way he's playing now. And, and I really like watching this team play when he's, when he's playing in that style. One of my favorite things about him and his growth is I feel like he's really perfected that floater game from, from the paint. And not only does he just shoot floaters from there, he's been using that as a tactic to draw defenders onto him and tossing up a little lob for, for Clint Capella or John Collins and just really easy buckets. He's been making it so simple for the other players on his team to score. And it's just been, like you said, it's been really impressive um, to see just really how much he's grown in a year. It's kind of crazy. It's two years. Yeah. And when we've seen, like when we saw this team come together in free agency, we were kind of all like, wow, like there's so many good players on this team, but like, what are they, you know? And are they going to be any good defensively? And I think they've, you know, over exceeded all my expectations that I had for them. And they've shown some toughness some resiliency. Like I said, they just came back from down 20 in the last game for a young team to do that in the playoffs against a great opponent is really impressive. Right. And that bodes well for the future. They've, I feel like watching them, they've, you know, there was questions about how Capella was going to be used on the team when they made that trade. And I really feel like they've kind of just completely bought into being the Houston light, mm-hmm. essentially of the East of when Capella was with the Rockets and Trey filling the James Harden role, obviously not as potent as a scorer, but still right. a little bit more of a facilitator. But then you also have, I feel like just maybe a touch below level scores of the other players the, that were on the Rockets at the time. So it's like they're kind of just replicating that Rockets team and using Capella the same way and using Trey as a James Harden light. And, you know, the other players kind of just do what they do, hit threes, make easy cuts when Trey draws an extra defender. You know, it's been fun to watch. It really I really hope been. that they win this series. I'd rather see them play the next. You know how high, high potently – High potent offenses, those would be. We'd be getting like 140 to 130 games. Yeah, for real. I mean, it is getting tough to watch the Sixers, so I wouldn't mind that either. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be so interesting. Like, okay. I mean, I ask this every pod, but gun to your head, what are the two finals representatives now with all these injuries? I mean, I guess we still think the Nets, even with the injuries, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm still going Nets. Uh, it's hard on the west side, though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd have to still say the Suns, I think. I think so, too. I was going to say that as long as Chris Paul can play part of the Western Conference Finals, yeah, I would still go Suns. Um, I just don't – I think they're better than Utah, if we're going to assume Utah wins that series. And if the Clippers somehow scrape their way out of that series without Kawhi, they don't have a shot against the Suns. So – I think I would pick that right now as well. It's yeah, so it's up in the air, though, with all these injuries. going to be really interesting. I'm interested to watch Mitchell tonight, see how he looks, um, see what Paul George does by himself. And even if Kawhi somehow does hobble back, really, is he affecting the game on, on a messed-up meniscus? Yeah, no way. Not the way he, he should, right? So – I really want Paul George to prove, like I want Paul George to take this team on his back and show us that he could still be a number one option. I would be really happy if that happened. I just have my doubts. <laughs> how many 
if Chris Paul doesn't come back to like game four of the Western Conference Finals, what do you think Devin Booker averages from the first three games? It's got to be 35 plus, right? Yeah. I mean, if they're going to be taking he's just on one right be. now. Yeah. He's on one right now. If, he's been if they're going to stay competitive, playoffs. he should. It should be. But I mean, I don't know. Like, Chris Paul is the thing that makes that team run. I understand how good Booker is, but you need that initiator. And it's like, I understand this is a slightly different team, but, you know, the Suns didn't even make the playoffs last year. I mean, and so, it's, it's a point guard, right. Chris Paul, right? Where yeah. is he ranked? Point guard? Point guard? All wise for you. All time for you. Um, okay. Is he well, number one a, or is he number two? Point guard all time? Are, are well, we counting Magic as a point guard? Yeah, we're counting Magic as a point guard. Then he's well, we can look at my list and Magic and Steph were on there and he wasn't. So I would think. I mean, I understand he's number one championships, but pure point guard. He's. I think it would be for me still Magic. Steph and Isaiah and then him, but it's just hard because Isaiah won two championships, you know, which isn't supposed to happen for a player that's that small and a pure point guard as your best player. Right. And obviously, like we said, we think Chris Paul has the goods to do it. He just has been unlucky, but it's hard to leapfrog someone who did that, you know, say you took away, you didn't even look at championships though. Mm-hmm. take championships out of the equation who cares you know, how many anyone won we're just ranking the best pure point guards in nba history where does paul fall on that list <laughs> is he ahead of steph and ahead of steph and isaiah in those i mean if you're saying pure point guard and you're trying to you're trying to <laughs> nudge me to say that steph isn't your pure point guard that i mean yeah i would go magic and then isaiah still and then him it's so hard because Isaiah played in such a different era, right? I know. I hate right so, I hate it. It's hard to compare errors, too, but, but yeah, I think that's what I would say. I just feel like we're going to look back on Chris Paul's career once he finally hangs up the shoes and kind of realize how much better he actually was. And I think we took and, and then we took his time in the NBA for granted, 100%. even though he never, never won a championship. So I love Chris Paul. I really do. And he's like, he's really a dying breed of not score first point guards, right? These guys who set everyone up, they know exactly when a player needs to get a pass and where he needs to get it. And they're not worried about them scoring. You know, they score when they need to. And then when they realize it's the best shot to create, but you know, you're going to get more, everyone's trying to be like Stefan Dame Lillard now, right? Yeah, Chris. Which really, is, I mean, those guys are great. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but Chris is so unique in that way, you know. Chris Paul really perfected that one move of dribble around a defender and then just stop as hard as you can and have them run into you for a foul, mm. which is one of the fouls I hate the most in the NBA. But Same. the way he's perfected it, it's like you gotta you gotta tip your cap to him. You gotta respect it. You have to. <laughs> yeah, I love Chris, and I really hope that he comes back quickly from this COVID and makes the finals. I mean, that's a team I want to see in the finals. Nonetheless, so Definitely. Let's hit the other news really quickly on this red wedding day of the NBA. Uh, I don't have much to say about any of these really, but Stan was out as the Pelicans coach. I mean, Interesting. if it had been you and I make the decision, we would have done the same. So <laughs> I'm interested to see who fills the role, who they Tyler? hire. 
<laughs> That'd be so sad. There's no way they take him out of the booth. <laughs> no. Also, did you see that Jeff said that he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wasn't even sure if he was on the celebrity family feud, if his brother Stan would even be on his team. <laughs> what a savage thing to say. <laughs> yeah, the Pelicans uh, yeah. are going to be really interesting next season. I think if with the right coach to push the right buttons, look, we say it every year, or we say it the last two years, like, oh, the Pelicans, they're going to make a run, but they really do have the talent to do it, so. Let's see it, sure damn it. <laughs> and you, you would think Zion would only get better, right? You'd have to imagine. I hope we start the season and he's just like their full-time point guard. Yeah. Just turn him into LeBron James. I hope he works on his three-point shot all summer. He doesn't need to do anything else. And defense, I guess. Yeah, defense, yeah. But who, who cares about that anymore? Uh, what else? Scott Washington. Brooks out. I mean, he's never happen. that great. Yeah. That's going to be really interesting, too, because um, yeah. uh, Bradley Beal might be out the door, right? I don't know. It's such an interesting situation because he, we, we would always think he was. And Brad's like, yeah, let's just see how this year goes. And maybe, you know, that run they made to make the playoffs makes you think differently. I don't know. It could be – that could be a miserable team next year, depending on who their coach is. If Beal leaves, do they still have Westbrook signed, or he, was that just a one-year thing? I think Westbrook's still signed, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen with them at all. I mean, you think maybe get Thomas Bryant back, you know, you go with Rui, and uh, Rui gets better. Beal and Westbrook come back, could be a decent team. I don't know, but if I were him, I'd want out for sure. <laughs> yeah, it'll well, be interesting. So. All right, so probably wrap it up here, but Western Conference final picks, I kind of feel like we hinted at it if we didn't specifically say it. Who are you going with? Or, or, yeah, Western Conference and Eastern Conference. So I think the Jazz will make the Western Conference finals and lose to the Suns as long as Chris Paul can make part of the series. And then I think that the Sixers and the Nets will meet up in the Western Con- or Eastern Conference finals as we all thought they would. And as long as Harden is decent, decently healthy. Even without Kyrie, I still think they could be the Sixers. Yep. I'm in the same boat as you. I think it ends up being Utah, obviously the Suns, and then you got – I'm really holding out hope that Atlanta could win game six on their home court and push it to a game seven, and you never know what could happen in one game. Um, I mean, we have three 2-2 two, two series. Give us at least one game seven, please. Right, Exactly. We deserve uh, that much. But as of today, I'm going to go with the, the Sixers and the Nets. Nets win to make the finals. Suns win to make the finals. If that happens, is that – no. the How many of those teams have won championships in the past? The Not Suns the have never. The Suns have never either. Utah, it's been, what, since the 70s? Yeah, they did a graphic about this, like, when I was watching a game. And, like, these are four of the teams that have, like, like most of the teams left have, the have had very won? little success in the playoffs. You the know? Sixers never won, have they? Yeah, the Sixers won, yeah, with, um, with Moses and uh, – Oh, yeah, I forgot he was on. Mm. And Julius, yeah. 
But yeah, the Clippers have never even made a Western Conference Finals. Uh, the Jazz have never won. The the Suns have never never won. I mean, that's obviously have never won. The Bucks yeah. have never won. I don't think. The Bucks won with uh, Oscar and Kareem. Oh, God, dude. Yeah, these are so before my time. I always forget. It is some new blood, right? Like it's yeah. some like it's not just the same teams over and over, which is the exciting part. I just wish injuries weren't playing such a key factor. Hundred percent. But we'll see. Maybe and maybe by the time this posts on Friday, by the time you're listening to this, we might have just been wrong about everything we said. <laughs> As we usually are. That's the business, baby. All right, Kyle, send off our listeners. On the third day, but fuck the Bucks again. As we knew we would. Amen.